It's Wednesday, which means it's time for another episode of Legally Unfiltered. This is attorney Franz Borker along with attorney Richard Sprinkle. We're at the Sprinkle Law Firm. We're about to talk about some sexual reassignment surgery law that just came out of the Federal Fifth Circuit about inmates. Before we jump in, if you want to get more information about Legally Unfiltered, go to www.legallyunfiltered.com. If there's a topic out there that you really want us to talk about that's important to you or that maybe you just have questions about, email us at legallyunfiltered at gmail.com. Folks, this week we had some weird Eighth Amendment case law that came out. It started with the Supreme Court, right? So the Mm -hmm. Supreme Court issued a decision this week that dealt with death penalty. Yep. We're going to talk about that first because it can segue in for us as to the decision about um, the Fifth Circuit and, and, and transition surgery. So at the beginning of this week, or well, let me rephrase, on April 1st, 2019, there was a five to four decision um, from, the, from the United States Supreme Court that basically dealt with an inmate that had a rare disorder disease that he was arguing that a lethal injection would cause him undue pain because essentially what it would do is cause him to, to choke on his own blood. Now, the Supreme Court, the majority of the Supreme Court said, accused this inmate of gamesmanship and delay, right? But the, 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 the takeaway, the gem of this was the, the quote from... Uh, Gersuch, Justice Gersuch said, the Eighth Amendment does not guarantee a prisoner a painless death, something that, of course, isn't a guarantee to many people, including most victims of capital crimes. Okay, so when we're talking Eighth Amendment, what we're talking about, Richard, is cruel and unusual punishment, right? Mm -hmm. So that segues us into a decision that came from the Fifth Circuit. The commonality of this, by the way, is the Eighth Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment. Right. So the Fifth Circuit ruled, da, 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 that... Under established precedent, it can be a cruel and unusual punishment to deny essential medical care to an inmate. But that does not mean that prisoners prisons must provide whatever care an inmate wants, which in this contact context was gender reassignment. Okay. So then and this is this is from the Fifth Circuit, it's it's Justice Ho, okay, Judge, or excuse me, Judge. James Ho, I'm gonna call him a justice, it's really James Ho, Judge James Ho. He said, you know. Medical experts fiercely question whether or not sexual reassignment surgery is preferable to counseling and and hormone therapy. That's his words, not mine. Yep. His words. So what they extrapolated from that was, you know, we have an obligation to house you. We have an obligation as a ward of you, as as you're a guest in our fine prison facility, to give you medical attention. But that medical attention does not extend. It does not extend to gender reassignment, okay? Now, at the time of this this podcast, we haven't really heard much blowback from this decision, and and I guess it's not surprising with, with the layout of our current Supreme Court how this may shape out. Maybe they will deny cert. Maybe they won't even look at this. But this is a this case is kind of a big deal, right? We're in an LGBTQ world where we we want to accommodate individuals in their identity. And in the prison environment, there there becomes a safety issue question, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just cruel and unusual punishment. It becomes an issue of, you know, how do we accommodate the individual that's a male that identifies as a female and vice versa or something else even? How do we accommodate them in a safe way as their ward, as the prison? And balance that with the fact that we're not we're not obligated to give people all sorts of, of surgeries just because they quote unquote want them. 
it becomes uh, there. There's a litany of questions that come out of this. I mean, first off, let's say this individual who, if I remember correctly, had been living as a female since the age of 15 or 17, very young, very young when, when they identified as, as a female instead of a male. Um, if this person goes through the sexual reassignment surgery and now goes from becoming a male to a female, do we then need to transfer them to a different facility, a facility that houses females instead of males? Is is, is that something that's going to happen? I know I might project this down the road into the realm of being ridiculous, but let's say this individual also changes their name. So do we now still so have the easy. same person in prison that it's, we started with? It's easier when we're thinking about... How many types of bathrooms do we need? Men's, women's, maybe a third type. It's more complicated when we talk about the Eighth Amendment. And look, what we're for those, you know, when it comes to bathrooms, uh, uh, there's a, an attorney here in Baton Rouge, and at his office, they've got the right idea. There, there are signs up that have the traditional male figure and the traditional female figure and a tra- and a alien shaped figure, and it literally says, you know, whatever, just wash your hands when you're done. So. For those law scholars out there, the case on point for this is called Estelle v. Gamble. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a 1976 decided case, and that case stands for the proposition that medical care for inmates violates the Eighth Amendment only when, and I quote, it is so unconscionable <laughs> as to fall below society's minimum standards of decency. So what the Fifth Circuit is saying is, you know what? Gender reassignment does not fall below society's minimal standards of decency. Right. We're not obligated to to give you this surgery and you're not going to get this surgery. I don't know that it's a, a issue of cost. I think it's more of an issue of accommodation. I believe that's what it's going to come down to. I feel like the courts will see this as an elective procedure. It's something even if even if somebody is born of a certain gender and identifies as another gender, it is an elective for them to go through the reassignment surgery. We're talking about gender dysphoria. Right. I do not feel comfortable, ladies and gentlemen, getting into the psychology of that. No, I don't that's know. That's outside of my wheelhouse. Yeah, I, I don't feel comfortable. And I certainly, neither one of us want to be offensive to anybody that's out there that's Heavens going through no. that. But what the Supreme, excuse me, what the Fifth Circuit has done is relied on the Supreme Court. And basically the Fifth Circuit, the way it is now, you know, if you're housed in the Fifth Circuit, you're not going to get that reassignment. Now, it looks to me, let's see, is there another circuit that kind of well, differs while, on While this? you're looking that up, I mean, it, it looks like, at least according to the Fifth Circuit, we will house you, we will clothe you, and we will keep you alive, and we will take care of necessary medical treatments. But anything beyond that is is not something you're entitled to as a prisoner. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially, I was looking to see folks if there was another jurisdiction that maybe count, countered or, or, or viewed things differently. Um, see what the ninth is saying. That's the was, only one I could think by of. By the way, this was a two to one decision. Um, so hmm. yeah, that's two to one on the fifth. On this one? Yeah, that surprises me. Yeah. It's a more conservative jurisdiction. Uh, as, I would you know, have thought this would be a 3-0 slam dunk. Richard and I live and play in the fifth. So um, we do a lot of federal criminal defense and a little bit of civil rights work. But look, you know, at the end of the day, this is the current law. You know, will the Supreme Court under this current regime? And we and again, I go back to the five to four decision based They'll on never grant cert on I, this. I can't I can't imagine they will. Maybe they will, if for no other reason than to address this to where it becomes a national rule, um, which, you know, it's never a bad thing to have a a 
this is the way we view things and, and this yeah. doesn't necessarily yeah. run afoul to our current law. But that being said, Judge Ho and his other vote have spoken for now. Um, by the way, Judge Ho was a Trump appointee, it appears. He was. Yeah. So he wrote the majority. 2016. Yeah. He wrote the uh, majority uh, decision. So we just wanted to touch on this. This was a quick and no pun intended, quick and dirty one. Um, but it, it didn't get a lot of national attention. Well, and that's probably because it's inmates. I mean, let's let's be honest. If we talk about, you know, groups, small groups of society who need protection and don't need protection, there's one that we never talk Have about. Have we seen this play out differently with the military? We have, we have. So, well, hmm. did 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 the was the military required to pay for reassignment surgery? I can't remember. We're probably talking about Chelsea. I yeah. think we're talking about Chelsea but here. It certainly is a common. The military has has done accommodation work, right? Or have they not? I don't know. I, you know, I'm not sure. Again, you're talking about a, a, a ser- military service, and I can speak from my time in elective. Uh, procedures were not on the menu. Uh, you know, if you wanted to go in and get a little Botox, a little tummy tuck, a little, uh, little uh, you know, facelift, something like that, they didn't have that stuff. They were they were simply at least the 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 wonderful naval medical staff that took care of us as Marines and I and I love my Navy corpsman. Uh, those guys were there to keep you upright and fighting, and so, that's all. Thanks to the wonders of the interweb. March 13, 2019, there are new policies on DOD uh, on military service by transgender persons and persons with gender dysphoria. Let's and they, they, you can come in, but they're not going to change you while uh, you're in, right? It doesn't ban transgender individuals from service. Right. Um, they may can transgender individuals may continue their service. Right. Uh, the new policy is focused on enhancing readiness um, and comes after consultation with military and medical experts. Um, gender dysphoria is a medical condition. That is the military's DOD's position. It's a medical, medical condition. condition. Okay. Um, That's a big step. That's a big, big step. Right. And then the new DOD policy eliminates special comp eliminate special accommodations that were provided to persons with gender dysphoria, but not to others. So, um, and, and, and you know what? I, if you, if you're speaking in terms of operational readiness, I totally get that. So in 2016, DOD policy allowed individuals who were diagnosed with gender dysphoria, uh, and obtained hormone therapy or sexual reassignment surgery to join the military in their preferred gender without a waiver if they were stable before beforehand for at least 18 months. However, individuals with other conditions would obtain similar treatments such as hormone therapy for low testosterone could not join the military without a waiver. But again, we're talking about uh, treatment or surgery prior to joining. What about I'm in and now I want the government to pay for the surgery? Mm. I guarantee you that's not going to, you're not going to find I, that. I don't think we get that far. If you find that, I will eat this yellow legal pad. I promise you. It's what's for dinner. It's what's for dinner. Um, you're not going to find that. <laughs> Uncle Sam ain't paying for so, that. I'm telling you. Mm, I just, you know. I'm, I'm just remembering that old Marine Corps rep- recruiting poster with the drill instructor saying, we never promised you a rose garden. So I, it looks like, and I'm reading now a New York Times article, it looks like the rule is, for better or for worse, they can enlist and serve, but only if they, quote, stick to their biological sex, no transitioning allowed. So military, prison, 
prison life. It's at least the military goes so far as to say it's a medical condition. Sure. Um, so yeah, you know, this is interesting. This is an interesting landscape. We're going to keep an eye guys. We're going to keep an eye on both the military and also the fifth circuit and, and other possible litigations on this. It's just, again, it didn't get a lot of attention, but, but we it jumped out to us and we thought, man, this is, you know, in a, in a 2019 environment where we are accommodating to LGBTQ, this doesn't seem accommodating at all, but maybe from a practical, pragmatic standpoint, it is the way we need to be right now. I don't know. I, I just, wow. Um, you know, th- this will probably, in effect, keep a lot of folks out, you know, of the military, which, you know, which I guess was kind of the point, maybe. But that's that's where we are right now. Uh, again, this is Attorney Franz Borkart. You've been listening to the sweet sounds of attorney Richard Sprinkle, legally unfiltered, www.legallyunfiltered.com. Shoot us an email with your thoughts, opinions, and uh, at legallyunfiltered at gmail.com. And do us a favor and go by and give us a review on any of the wonderful places you can listen to our podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, or iTunes. And don't forget, we're on Facebook. We love to talk to our Ooh. listeners. Ooh, please, yeah. please, please, please chime in with a comment or two. Um, surely, surely somebody out there has something to say about what we've been chatting about. So drop have, us a line. Have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you soon. The views and opinions expressed in Legally Unfiltered do not constitute legal advice. If you would like legal advice on the topics that we've discussed, send us money. That's right. Go ahead and retain us. Do not, kids, try this at home.